What's going on, everybody? The Throne Podcast. We are back here live in the studio. And uh, this week, I'm joined again by Dominic Delaney. What's going on, brother? Woo! <laughs> I like that. Okay. What's going on, man? How Dude, you doing? I am doing well. I'm happy to be back. How Let's get are the crowd. you? Let's yeah. get the crowd in there. Whoop, whoop. Big love for Dominic Delaney. Yeah. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. It's, it's been so long. That's where it's like it's weird. I'm I'm also I'm kind of like not sure how to be with other humans after <laughs> like the past year and a half. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit tricky. Uh, but we're getting into the hang of it. Actually, Saturday, I was at uh not Saturday Friday. I was at a show uh for Eras One. It was like a showcase thing. It was kind of cool the way they did it. Uh, it was like they played three separate sets, but the whole show was them and like a stand-up comic in between and shit. That's uh, always good. But yeah, that was uh probably like the third show or so I've been to since we've been getting back to it. Yeah, and uh, it's been a great experience. Yeah, it's also like I think that people over the past year and a half like now understand how important live art is. Like whether it be if you want to go see a metal band or if you want to go see a comedian. Or, like, those people who do live painting. Like, that shit's important. Like, and I have a lot of friends. Like, some of my friends own an art gallery up in Lake Worth. And they persevered pretty much through, like, the height of the quarantine and, like, not being able to afford their space and shit. And, like, now they have a whole new location that has art everywhere from local artists. It's sick. Like, up in the same area? Yeah, uh, literally down the street in Lake Worth. It's in downtown Lake Worth. Um, okay. It's called Sugar Plum and the Grumman Growler. They're fucking sick. <laughs> That's a pretty cool name. They're they're so sick, uh, and they give a space for like our local artists around that area to to share their shit. And you know, I think that's kind of where like the past year and a half, the artists have, you know, everybody's had it rough, and some more than others. Like I was able, like I didn't starve to death. I had a place to live. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of people had it worse than me. But um, we all kind of had a different palette to create with for a little bit, you know, as as creatives are. So, yeah, you know, it was weird. But I'm glad to be getting back to, like, normal socialization and, <laughs> and high-fiving and hugging people and shit like that, you know. Yeah, people are still a little weird about it in public, uh, which is, Definitely. you know, it's totally understandable. But yeah, uh, going back to the art gallery that your your friend has up there, uh, it definitely makes you appreciate spots like that more so than before. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and even to go, you know, to venues, you know, um, my what I always have considered my home base is Propaganda in Lake Worth. Yeah, you know yeah, that great place. Spot. I've I've cut my teeth at that place. You know, um, and we did quite a few fundraisers for them, and we raised you know, a nice amount of money and they, they raise money themselves to stay afloat. And they just recently announced that like they were going to be okay. Like, it, like within the past week, um, we wow. pretty much all got an email that it was like, Hey, everything's okay now. Um, so that's kind of like even, yeah. I mean, is that assurance you think at least through the rest of the year or like just for the foreseeable I, future? I think, you know, for the foreseeable future, which is good, but, you know, it, it's scary to think because uh, I think, like, their initial goal was to raise something around, like, 12000 or 13000 and we did that with a few benefit shows, and they did a few fundraisers and stuff. Um, but th that was when it first happened, and we were told that it was going to be, you know, what was it, like... X amount of weeks to stop the spread or something, 
you know, that type of shit. So like, we thought this was going to be over in months. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and that was detrimental because then it was like, Oh shit. You know, like we, like not only myself, but, but definitely, you know, bigger bands and shit that were planning on coming through our town, entire tours, you know, they had that shit booked a year in advance and stuff. And, you know, everything was canceled. So I think the fundraising we did mattered definitely. And I'm so happy. I was just at a show there the other night with, uh, my friend's band, the shake, which are fucking awesome. We're playing with a band from, uh, North Carolina called sons of paradise. And it was an amazing show. People were out having fun. Everybody was pretty solid as far as respecting everybody's personal space. Like some people decided to wear a mask and that's cool. Like you can wear a mask and go to go see a show. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see why anyone would have a problem with that. Um, like, uh, that if someone decides they want to wear a mask, if they, they can wear one. If yeah. they decide they don't, yeah, it they doesn't, don't have it, to. It doesn't, you know, the, if you want to wear a mask, it doesn't bother me. Like, I'm personally vaccinated, but if I'm in a place that is extremely crowded, like, I might decide to wear the mask. And and it really doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's just a new thing here. There's plenty of cultures where wearing a mask in public is like a normal thing to do when you're sick. Yeah. Definitely. Like, even with just, like, a cold or a cough or whatever, like, it's kind of like a courteous thing to do in other cultures. Right, right. For, for your neighbor or your right. person. Right. So, for us here, it's just a little weird because we're, it's not part of our culture to do things like that. But, yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal. Like, I think it's just a, a courteous thing, if anything. Right. And that's where, like, uh, being at a place, you know, being at a concert, like, we were the first industry to kind of be directly affected by this not to not to downplay like anybody's like actual well-being or health or anything like that but live music and live art or theater movie theaters you know all that shit that the whole point is to gather people into a single place to share an experience that was immediately disrupted by this virus and pretty much it was a, a giant stop sign to everybody to say like, hey, you have to be dormant for X amount of time, and yeah, you know, there's been some great innovative ways of being able to do shows. Like we've seen some concerts that have been done in like bubbles, or you know, they have like the rings, like the social distance rings and yeah, shit like yeah, that yeah. festivals. Um, and then we've seen some like bad attempts. Like I think it was like uh, Smash Mouth or something did a show like really early on in the pandemic that was full capacity. Ended up having like a whole bunch of COVID shit. Oh shit! Like, no, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so like there's there's <laughs> people, smash mouth a little fucking bad. I totally understand like the the urge to want to play shows. That's what people like us do. But um, you gotta have you know the the well being of the people coming to see you at the forefront of it. Yeah, I know? understand. I mean, it's hard for for someone who. Uh, like is inexperienced and like health wise to you know who just wants to put on a show that's what right. they do to know exactly what the best thing to do would be you know what i mean yeah well and then it it does uh open up i saw like it opened up a window for some of these artists that were had a bigger name and decided that we're going to throw an event anyway a lot of smaller artists who didn't necessarily have that big of a name could jump onto that and kind of 
cut loose their morals to do the show for publicity that doesn't make much sense for me like if if i want if i'm playing a show i want everybody at that show to be safe and like prior to covid that kind of just entailed i want you to be safe from a mosh pit or i want you to be safe from like fucking being roofied by somebody or something like that right you know where now it's like i need i i would prefer that you be safe from a virus that could kill you you know yeah yeah i understand uh it's definitely a big difference to make i mean Especially like uh, enforcing the like the sub rules, like okay, masks is one thing, but what about social distancing? And then right. what about can you drink in there? Or like, can you? What about right. bathrooms? Do you keep those closed, or do you want people pissing outside? Like, right. <laughs> and that's that's where like right now uh, I have my release party lined up, and that's going to be an outdoor. Where's that going to be? It's going to be uh, it's going to be September eighteenth at Grandview Public Market in West Palm Beach. West Palm, okay. So they're going to be renting a stage that's going to be outside. There's going to be outside facilities, inside facilities where masks are required. Um, so how's it going to work out? Is it going to be you guys are playing live? Or are you going to have some other people uh, play there with you? Yeah, so we're, we have a whole lineup. We have Andy Styron. Uh, we have the Moon Men. We have the Marauders, the Shake. and A lot then, of those. And then, yeah, lots of those. And <laughs> then, uh, then me headlining with the whole album release. And we're playing, um, I'm pretty sure we're playing every song on the album and a couple that aren't on the album sick so. man always fun doing a release party it's kind of like uh, all about you know your music and yeah celebrating the release of it and everything it's definitely a cool time yeah well and like doing the whole thing with making this album was was weird to begin with because um i signed to interstate records to do do the album um pretty much at like the height of quarantine and so I do, in a sense, kind of feel robbed a little bit of, like, the traditional album-making process where, like, I didn't necessarily get to sit in a studio and be like, I like that there, I like that there. It was a lot of emailing back and forth between the producer in Oregon and, yeah. and me here in Florida where pretty much it came down to, like, everybody couldn't leave their houses, so... There was no going to a studio. It was pretty much here, order the shit online, build a studio in your house, and be able to record <laughs> your guitar parts and your vocal parts and send them to the producer. How did you end up recording? Uh, what equipment did you use? I, uh, I'm i looking at what I have right now. I'm looking at your oh, Focus, Scarlet. Your Focusrite Scarlet. I had the Focusrite Scarlet, and I ran it into the Pro Tools first that came Pro in. Pro Tools, okay, gotcha. And, you know, I had I had some experience when it came to, like, FL Studio and Ableton. So like yeah, I, yeah, I, kinda, I use Ableton. kind of knew my way around it and stuff. Um, but pretty much I would just record about, like, five or six takes of vocals and guitar and send them and then they'd send them back and be like nope <laughs> you know this is wrong uh and when they would say this is wrong as a musician how do you like take that and and, and it depended like, on it depended on what they were talking about like if they were talking about the lyrics that that's type that's the type of stuff i kind of get defensive about where i know what i'm trying to say and if you don't get it i don't really care um so that's something you got a little bit of pushback about 
There were there were a few things where it was like, or even like song titles, just misunderstandings. Or? Yeah, or like there was a song title uh, that they were like, oh well, there's another song out there called that, and I said I don't really care. Okay, fair you enough. Know? And and it became a bit of a fight, and I eventually caved on that one and changed the the name of the song. But um, you know, there there's little things where some of the times like there's the things where they're right uh there were some things where they'd be like i think you know you move from f to c there and i think you should go from f to g you know and it'd be like oh right that does sound better okay so Um, there are some notes where it really does uh take another ear to come in and say hey maybe this would work and there's some things where you ended up liking it Definitely, because like I, uh, I that's kind of I kind of prefer to work in that type of environment. Um, like I grew up playing kind of like competitive hockey. I grew up doing like just kind of trying always to be the best. Um, so I can take like a lashing if I believe in like the result that it can bring. Right. Um, like if he was saying if he if somebody was saying like oh that should be a G chord there. And I'd played it and I'd be like, no, this is awful. Right. right then right. I wouldn't really believe in it. But there, there's people that like you, nobody is ever too old to learn. Right. So, I agree with that. Yeah, of course. You know, I think anybody who makes an album and is like, yeah, I'm a full fledged musician is kind of up their own ass a little too far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's always just tough when, when you feel like it's a, some like your your expression you know what i mean or something that like you personally went through or a very personal emotional song and someone's like nah it's not doesn't really work you're like what do you mean this is how i feel right yeah and that's where uh you know when when we speak about emotional songs like on the album uh this song was on the chubby ep and it was called sad songs and that album came out i self-released that ep in 2019 and since then, uh, one of the people that I referenced in that song has passed away. And I had, we had already recorded about half of the album and we had done that song and my friend passed away and I, I strongly considered taking it off and it was shown to her mother and her mom kind of pretty much said like, how dare you? decide to take that off the album like it has to be on there type of thing and so like it's a hard song to play live but it's kind of like something where when you write something that's extremely honest and extremely true it's like irrevocable like you can't take it back is it uh like a song that's like speaks negatively of them or is it the opposite? uh i i wouldn't say it speaks negatively of them but it definitely references like times uh where you know, we we were young kids having dumb fun type of shit, you know, and then it progresses. That stuff progresses in life and it deals with addiction. It deals with mental illness, you know, um, and it references another friend, you know, like it's two of my friends who are no longer here. But at the time I had written it, only one of them had passed already. Uh, so it's it's it is weird how like songs change their meaning over time. Uh, cause now it's a song that I look back at and kind of be like, you know, it's, a, it's not necessarily, I don't look at it as a dark period in my life or anything, but it's a period where it's like, could I have done something different to either of my friends to help them? 
you know and so now it's kind of something that i pursued like daily like i i annoy the shit out of my friends with in text, what way with, with text messages just like hey how you doing bud making sure they're good yeah like and even if if it bothers them i don't care like i will ask you how you're doing every day like i'll check in with you like and is i mean do you feel like uh like it's a little bit of like ptsd in a way of like uh, dealing with loss like that I, w- I wouldn't go as far as saying like ptsd i would go as far as saying like um just kind of learning that it's so easy to send somebody a text message or a facebook message like it co- it costs you like 30 seconds of your day and that's all it takes and like they might not even respond and that's okay but if you make the effort you know it's it helps you it might help them you know no that's a good point man um uh it just you know it's it sucks that it had to you know it's something that you had to learn through the ways that you learned it you know yeah absolutely well and i grew up kind of in a uh situation where like i've been around um addiction for the majority of my life so you know i understand when when i have friends who are addicts and um, you know, sometimes they, they want help and sometimes they don't. And that always sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's sometimes you can't do nothing about it. Yeah. It sucks to have to watch somebody hit their bottom for sure. But you know, uh, you gotta always look out for those people. Like we, we try our best for our friends, but in the end it does come down to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, for sure. I mean, people are autonomous. They're going to make their own decisions. And, you know, you can only give someone so much advice before, you know, they just decide to do whatever they want to do at the end of the day. And I'm the same way. I think we're all the same way. Once we have kind of like an idea in our head that we want to do something or, you know, something is fun to do, we kind of we just do it regardless of how people feel about it, you know. Yeah, and that's where I think like the biggest thing is being open with your friends. Like I tell I I don't give a shit about getting soppy with my friends. Like they can laugh at me. They could whatever. Like it doesn't necessarily affect me negatively like cuz I can tell them that shit. And some friends will give me shit, some friends won't, you know. You know who will <laughs> do what. Uh but let me ask you, so does that translate into your music, whereas, like, you don't have a problem expressing the uh, the soppiness and that kind of stuff in your music publicly? I think so. I'd like to think so. I think Because, that- uh, not to interrupt, um, but, like, some people are, uh, like, they don't like putting out certain songs. It's like, oh, it's too personal or whatever. Right. Did well, you ever I- have that problem? Not really. And, like, there's, like, some people who need to make, like, a persona to write like as that person i don't Mm -hmm. think you know for me personally like it's it's a cliche to say it but for me my music is pretty therapeutic because it is pretty much like confessionally autobiographical like all of my songs are true i i i'm like honest abe when it comes to writing i can't tell a lie like um broken finger is for instance like a song that literally describes how I worked in a metal shop, broke my finger because I didn't have a job that made any money. And I decided like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go play shows instead. And it's a story from start to beginning where it has a plot, you know, and all that shit. So, and it's literally something that happened to you like directly. Yeah. I mean, um, 
that's that's something that I I even have trouble uh trouble with because uh the band that I'm playing in now it's it's a, just a trio mm. uh, whereas the band I started with it was five of us right and I was more so the last guy in the band so I was just kind of learning the songs and kind of putting my own spin to it but just learning the songs you know pretty right. much uh so that we could start playing shows um but now that it's a new project um I've been more involved with the songwriting and stuff like that and I found that like some of the stuff that I write it's like Sheesh, man. It's like, do I want people to know this about me? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I I get that for sure. Because, you know, like, that's where uh, the Chubby EP, Chubby, um, the song, you know, is a fun song to sing. It's a fun song to dance to. But it is a reflection, essentially, on, like, you know, I'm not eating. I'm at the bar every day, like, just pounding beers. And that's why I'm gaining some, some weight. You know, that's what the literal connotation of the song is. The, you know, the lyrics are fun and fun to dance around to, but uh, it is like an admission of guilt almost. And a lot of songs are like, um, you know, I have a song that is currently, it'll be called From the Start on the Album. It, it's the one I was telling you about where it was called Bitch and I was told that there have been other songs that are way more popular called bitch and, <laughs> and i wasn't allowed to have that name anymore so we had to change it um but that's that's literally just a very mean song about a friend's ex-girlfriend <laughs> like it really is it's a mean how, song how mean does an ex-girlfriend have to be for your friend to write a song about it like like not even your friend wrote a song about it like you from the outside looking in wrote a song about it yeah well and that's where we it's it's she was bad well what are some of the standout lyrics from that song that like uh she's a she's from like real (laughs) situations that might have happened can you talk about that yeah the main line is she's a bitch and i hope she hears this because i've known it from the start okay so Uh, you were trying to give your friend advice when they first were together like yo man you gotta drop her bro it just it to be be honest to be fair both of them were pretty fucking toxic um that's always fun right it was (laughs) it was like it was a fucking movie my guy how long was uh this this movie lasted about a year and a half maybe that's probably it? at least how at least to our visuals happened in a year and a oh, half oh man a foot through a windshield <laughs> uh what yeah a foot through a windshield yeah things from things, the inside of the car from, from the, the outside from the inside definitely Fuck. yeah it did things, someone get a fucked up foot from that no i think he split his groin though oh yeah, how got, did uh, that yeah. happen cuz like his leg was like he like went to the like, karate kick it F- it, from inside the from car? From inside of the car, and he like, got hung up on the glove box. Oh, yeah. man. Did yeah, he had to go was, to the hospital? No, uh, we kind of just, just walked just it gave off. him like a bag of ice. Fuck, ice, man. Let him sleep it off on the couch. Why uh, Why did he decide to kick her window? In there? I don't know. Allegedly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't Were you know. there? I think Were you there? I was there. I was outside the house or outside the you car. You were tagging along? But, I was, we were living together. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Wait, uh, all the three of you guys? Yeah. So oh, the three of no. us. So it was kind of, we were, we just kind of had like, like, uh, courtside seats <laughs> pretty much. So it, it deserved a song, you know? Dude, was he, he was just really mad that day. 
Um, they were both kind of on, uh, like their fucking, I don't know. They're, they, they watch that Jersey shore stuff and I'm oh, telling you no. that's, that's, that's scaring our kids these days. <laughs> They're learning how to, uh, how to be in relationships from Jersey shore now. Is that what yeah, I guess so. You know, like spiked hair and oiling abs. It's just <laughs> not a, not a scene I grew up in. Yeah. That's fucking nutty, man. I can't imagine that shit. So what's this tour you're planning, bro? What's going to happen yeah, here? Yeah, man. That's the big tour, news other than the album. I mean, we got a tour coming up to back it up. Yeah, it's been it's been definitely difficult to figure out a safe and efficient way to do a tour. Um, I will be um, in next weekend. I'll be in St. Augustine for Sing Out Loud Festival. Oh, fuck um, yeah. Which will be sick. Uh, Mayday Parade is playing the day after me. Oh, I know them. I've yeah. heard that name. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, you, you did a tour, um, the last time you were here on the show, January last year I did with Sarah Scully, I right? Did, right before the apocalypse. Yeah. And that was a tour where it was just you two, mm-hmm. uh, for your set, you just had to worry about you, your guitar yep. and whatever microphone was there at the house. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that you're doing a tour and you have to worry about bringing a band along, how is the logistics of that going? Uh, it's definitely a new world. Yeah. For sure. Um, like even I'll even say up to uh, you know our our first full band show is going to be the album release party on the 18th at Grandview Market in West Palm. Um, it's proving more challenging because just just logistically, um, f- four people are harder to organize than one person. So, I was going to ask you, you know, how has it been um, going from. My practice is me versus right. I got to get these three guys in a room with me right. to work on when? these songs. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is a something I talk about, I've talked about on the show throughout the years is uh, a lot of people think practices. You guys get together to practice. Not practice pra- and rehearsal pra- are different. Exactly. When you guys get together, it's to rehearse the shit that you already practice exactly. throughout the week. So how has that because I've had some some friends of mine who wanted to start a band and they get some people together and then it's it's hard when they get together and you realize fuck no one's worked on their shit except for me you know right uh i will say my backing band the dead language is amazing we've been practicing we've been practicing for the past about four months um we have taken a couple weeks off just for precautions because somebody did come into contact with someone who had COVID, so yeah, that happened to us too, man. So I mean, he it actually was just did like we're gonna take test positive, but yeah, same thing. Yeah, we were just like we're gonna take you know three weeks off. Everybody keep getting tested. Um, you know, right now we're in a bit of a um, you know I, I don't want to say do or die moment, but essentially it's game time right now because we have uh, we we have a couple practices before the show on the 18th and. You know, I'm confident in our show, but but I want to blow people's fucking faces off. So uh, I want to make sure that these practices go well. I think they will. Like, we're solid right now. Um, the shake is solid. The opening bands that we have coming out are going to be sick. What so. would you call, um, like, your music genre-wise? I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I listen to it, and I got a couple different band vibes, you know, a little bit of... Um like some 41 type vibes a little bit yeah i you know i've heard pop punk be thrown around i've heard um i i I like to call it campfire punk rock folk punk has been oh yeah last time you came you were talking about these crazy naked fucking retreats you were doing yeah yeah you know and that's where (laughs) there's 
you know, there's there's a lot of different names. I don't really know. I think with the full band, I think we can just kind of stand right now at saying saying like alternative, you know, folk punk. I think it's punk rock with an acoustic guitar. Pretty much because I just write the songs and then bring them to the band, and then they're like, okay, we can do this on that. Okay, gotcha. So is it something where um, does a like I've never I've never had that experience where like um, I'm recruiting people to play my music. Mm. So like um, when it comes to that and you're presenting the material, how much feedback do you take? Do they give you any feedback or do they just like okay cool we'll learn it you know like how how is that for you being like yeah kind of like the composer. Yeah, there was de- there's definitely like some moments where, for instance, like uh, with my guitar player Devin, where like, you know, he was saying, "Hey, I think I should do this and this and this," and then he felt compelled to say, "Not to be backseat driving or anything." And and to me, like, it is a Dominic Delaney and the band, but if you have a good idea, it's a good idea. And and I told him that I was like, "What you just played sounded good. Play that," you know. So there, there is, it, it is a weird kind of, it's, to say it bluntly, I guess, in like the most rude way to say it would be that it's not a democracy. Right. You know, I do get final say on what happens. Uh, it's, but I like to think that I'm pretty fair in, in that, like the only decisions I make are to make the song better. So... You know, when Devin comes and says, like, hey, what if I play this here? And that sounds better than what we had on the album. That's a decision where it's like, yeah, play that. Don't play that, you know, what was on the album. Not that I'm not proud of what what's on the album, but live in the setting, you know, if I think what he's playing is going to get a crowd going more, play that. Dude. Yeah, dude, I, I totally agree with that. And, and like, if, if you want to experience the, the, the album's music, the exact same way you heard it. I mean, you can just throw it on right. whenever you There's want. There's the man. album. Hit yeah. it on Spotify. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it, the live show, the a little bit of variance, gives everyone like a little story. Like, oh, man, when I saw him, he did this, this, and that. Definitely. Versus when I saw him, he did this, this, and that. Or maybe a totally other set, you know, completely. Which is something that I really enjoyed about um, when I was gigging with uh, the original band I had, Unoya. Mm. Uh, we had like an A set, a B set, and a C set. And like most of the time it was like... Uh, two tunings per set and like we can mix and match whatever all right the b's with the c's the c's with the drop d's whatever you know and uh every every show even if we played two shows in the same weekend those two shows would be different sets if you came to see us both nights you would get two different shows right you know definitely definitely um like just make it give the people a reason to come see you you know what i mean you don't want it to be where like you're inviting your friends to every show and they come and you're playing the same shit every show you know for sure. And that's where it's like, uh, there's musicians. I think I might have even spoken about this last time I was here where there's a lot of musicians who are like scared of the word entertainer. Whereas like, no, your job is to entertain. Like you need to grab the room and you need them. You need to be, a, to be able to control essentially how they're feeling. Like, do they want to dance? Do they want to jump around? Do they want to go, tip their bartender you know shit like that you got to put on a good show how is it that you balance like uh like trying to be an entertainer and like not being cringe on stage 
Because, like, everyone's seen the person trying to hype everyone going wrong, you know? Yeah, Everyone definitely. come up to the front and everyone's just not moving. Like, th- how do you deal with a crowd like that? I think it's kind of just an occupational hazard. Um, Sometimes you're just going to get the, it's the gonna low happen. level, low volume, low it's energy gonna crowd. It's going to happen. You're going to fall on stage. You're going to fall off stage. You know, you're going those things. I don't think those things are that big of a deal. Like, as long as you don't, like, you know, break your leg or something. And even if you break your leg, if you're Dave Grohl, If Roll, you're Dave you Grohl, you're back. good. Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, those things happen. Um, sound problems happen. Uh, small crowds happen. It's it's kind of just part of the deal. A small crowd can be <laughs> like amazing if they're if they're into oh, it they're and standing in it, up. You got five guys versus that are a packed down. house that are all sitting down and on their phones. Yeah, know? that's where it's like I'd rather be ten people's favorite band than a hundred people's tenth favorite band. Uh, you know? I I agree with that man because they're gonna give you so much energy. Like ten people in a little circle. I mean that, that's a lot of energy, man. Yeah, and you can bet that they're gonna come to your merch table after the show. Yeah, you know, uh, but. But yeah, like those things are going to happen. You're going to have miscues and you're going to have somebody's going to fuck up. Like, especially like if we're talking about playing not just as a solo show, as a band, people are going to fuck up. Like somebody's going to hit sound? the hit the wrong pedal or drop a drumstick. You know, that shit happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does happen. You know, it's <laughs> I just, can attest for the drumstick. Yeah, for it's, sure. it's literally a numbers game. It's just when will it happen and how can we make it not? You know, um, how do you work on your stage presence or how do you work on how to control a crowd? Is it just straight up? You just got to do it a bunch or is there a way that you can actually practice it without a crowd? I think it's a little bit of both. I think what are some of your methods, man? Because I've I don't think I've ever seen you. I think I've seen you play maybe once live, probably down here in Miami. Um, I think, yeah, I think once maybe like an Oski show. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you ever played one, but um, like, how do you work on that or what are your uh, some of your techniques? So when I first got back into playing shows, I pretty much uh, did an open mic every night. And um, with that, you know, with an open mic crowd, especially like you're, you got two songs. Stand on there and you have to make these people like you. And then maybe that place will book you for a show, pretty much. Um, and so that came with like songs like Chubby, uh, broken finger, bitch, like those songs have meaning to them, but also have like a sense of humor to them. And with that, I could bring a stage presence of, of a humorous, like, I don't want to say jester, but essentially I can, I can put on a show for you for 25 minutes and you will see pretty much a storytelling of, of a plot of beginning, middle, end. Um, and that, like, if you can put a sh- an actual show together, something that is is circular, essentially, um, that entices people, and then they want to ask you more about it. And that's when you start to get booked, because people are still intrigued, and they want to know, well, what else do you got? You know, stuff like that. So let me ask, um, like, when you're playing an acoustic set... Mm versus have you played with a live band before or is this going to be your first show i've played with uh i've played in a couple punk bands and then i've played some of these songs uh with with i guess you call them drop-in musicians yeah uh, close friends like a live band yeah you know they were just kind of able to jam along yeah so okay so when you're playing an acoustic set versus playing with a live band back uh backing you 
do you find that like people listen more to the lyrics during the acoustic set or like do you find that people listen more to the music or uh do people like not really listen to lyrics that much during live sets or are they just looking for a vibe or like do you feel people like look for lyrics to relate to and shit like that um, I guess it depends on the sound of the place too, because yeah, if it's it de- muffled or the sh- the sound is shitty, it's it gonna be hard to hear. It depends on a lot of things for sure. I think that uh, like like for me personally, when I listen to a band, I'm extremely in- invested in the lyrics. The lyrics, like you can have a great song with bad lyrics, and I'm not interested. Um, Interesting. Uh, so lyrics are important. What are bad to me. lyrics though? Uh, if, if it, is that something if, that you think could be objective? Are there objectively uh, yeah. bad lyrics? Like like people like Fred Durst. I don't. <laughs> you know, some do. Right. But I don't. Uh, you know, so so it's it is you know definitely debatable. But if I'm not interested in, or if I don't like, for me, honesty is definitely a big part of the songs that I like. Um, it's kind of like seeing the bone beneath the skin. Something that, like, you say that you can't take back that is, you know, just so bluntly true. Right. Uh, those are the types of lyrics that I personally like, and I don't know if I've ever written any like that yet. Uh, I hope that some of them might be close. But um, for me, with the full band show, it takes pretty much... I For me, the sound comes from the lyrics, so the if the lyrics are heavy, the sound's gonna be heavy, um, and that might mean throwing some feedback in or double double kick drum or you know whatever it might be, um, because that's what inflicts that emotion in a song. Um, if if the emotion is meant to be heavy, the song's gonna be heavy. If it's meant to be like a light, uh, thoughtful song, that's how it's gonna sound. Um, yeah, at least I that's see. the way that I look at it. I see what you're saying, man. Um, that's interesting, bro. Uh, I, I really like being more involved in the songwriting. It's just hard. Um, like, um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person that enjoys kind of like sadder music or like more melancholic tunes. Right. Mm-hmm. So Dude. it's just hard to get out of that mode. You'll, uh, you'll love sad songs. That's going to be on my album. Perfect, man. It's literally probably, sad I'll songs. probably love it. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, I don't want to find myself writing about the same shit often, yeah, or it's, too often. Like it's not a bad thing to have more than one song about the same thing or about the same subject, but just all the time, I kind of find it gets tiresome. Definitely, I mean that's where I have a song right now that is actually so sad. Songs is going to be on uh, the album "The Marilyn in My Bones" that comes out, and that's the song that references my friends. Um, who are no longer with us and I've been working on this other song and then once one of my friends in that song passed um, another verse came to me that I wrote for this song and it just kind of made sense right now to call it like sad songs part two you know and so I do and I look at a lot of the artists that I grew up with where they would write one song and then on the next album they have you know that song part two you know and that's kind of just a continuation of your life, like a documentation of that time in your life where you could say, like, this is what I was thinking, this is what I was feeling, uh, and other people might be able to relate to that and like the song. So, That's true. I guess, uh, did you ever have a, um, a problem being vulnerable with your music, or is it always something that, like, uh, you found comfort in being vulnerable with, you know? 
Um, I think, like, when I was really young, like, I'm talking probably 13, 14, like, it was, I, that's probably when I started, like, experimenting writing songs, and they were pretty much just your generic, like, C, G, forever songs, um, and I would write it for... Two chord songs? Right, yeah, two chord songs for, for a girl in sixth grade, you know, some (laughs) shit like that, and... That's how it starts. Yeah, and you would write, that's the biggest thing is like a lot of people are scared to write music because they're scared to write bad music. And that's where Definitely. you got you to gotta understand, the first probably, if not 100 songs that you write are going to be awful. They're going to be terrible. They're going to be really, really, really bad music. <laughs> Nobody should hear them ever. And I have a CD that if anybody hears it, I'll kill them. <laughs> um, like oh, that's just shit. how it is but you Fuck. but it's the same thing as anything like the first time you work out you're not gonna look like the rock right like you gotta keep practicing it and and learning more about the actual craft of what you're doing um and that's like i i was even thinking on the way down here tonight you know i would love to write what i would feel is like a mature song I don't know if any of my songs could necessarily be considered mature. Uh, mature in what sense? Like I, I think adult a, contemporary. Well, I think like a lot of my songs are, are a lot of my songs are tongue in cheek. You know, like um, writing a writing a really mean song about somebody and wanting to call it bitch is is a is kind of an immature thing to do. I mean, Guns uh, N' Roses had a song called "Back Off, Bitch." And get in the ring. Well, I mean, if if my maturity level is the same as Axl Rose, I think I've made my point. You know, <laughs> uh, so, but that that's kind of something where I've that's a looked, good point. I've looked into, um, you know, and and that's not to say that not none of my songs are have uh, a deeper meaning or anything, but um, I like to think like we are already working on the next album, and some of these songs are a little heavier. Um, both in like the soundscape and the the lyrics, so I'm interested to see where this one's gonna go. How do you um expand your your um ability to write things like that? Like, do you experiment with synthesizers or uh, piano? Like, uh, what do you do to add a new uh layer to your music? Yeah, I definitely like. I also um, like. I said I did a bit of DJing, where like electronic music, drum and bass, and dubstep, and house music, and fucking um, the hardcore, where it's just like four on the floor at like one eighty-seven BPM type of shit, you know. And that's where you could find like just weird synthesizer sounds and like soundscapes and fucking how you can curve a waveform and all that nonsense. Yeah. All that stuff's fun to play with, to to write, but I think when it comes to when I write lyrics, it goes it always goes back to acoustic guitar. Like it just goes down to sitting and like uh you know, there's only so many chords you could play on a guitar, but it's kind of fun to fuck with tunings and fuck with, you know, well what if I put this finger on this fret while playing a you know, a C-sharp type of shit, you know. With music being um, around as long as it's been, uh, obviously, and uh, it, like you said, there's only so many chords on a guitar. Hmm. It, like, how do you continuously write new songs? Like, how do you not 
like write something and be like, oh, I've heard this somewhere, you know, like. Yeah, well, it's definitely hard to even, there's a lot of times where I'll be writing a song and be like, oh, I've written this song already. Like, this is the same chord progression of that song. There's the famous um, bit where in the Nirvana Unplugged, they're about to play Dumb, and then they play, uh, I don't know if it's Polly. But, like, Nirvana goes two songs back-to-back, and Kurt Cobain says into the microphone, he's like, we can't play these back-to-back. They're the same song. (laughs) You know? And that happens where, like, I'll be writing a song, and then I'll be like, oh, these are the same chords as Chubby, or these are the same chords as fucking Play Hard, Play Honest. That's something that, that. uh, as a drummer, learning guitar, I learned, um, or I had just noticed a pattern where, like, I would learn a couple songs by the same artist and I would notice like, wow, he uses like C's and E minors a lot, you know, or, right. or A minors a lot, or like it'll be the same four chords, but in a different order definitely, or a different yeah. strum pattern. Yeah. There's, there's definitely like, I, I think any songwriter who says they haven't like repeated a pattern is lying. Like it's a crutch sometimes, you know, because you can find, different ways to play the same chord progression that do sound different, but it's the same chord progression. Um, I was sitting today and like playing, it was, it was like a B minor D C, uh, then like E like high E, um, chord progression. And I was like, Oh, this is the same chord progression of one of my other songs, but just higher, you know? Interesting. And then that's where it's kind of like, okay, well, where do I take this song from here now? And it's some, is it something that you ever notice in the moment or you have to like finish it and then you go back and listen and you're like, oh, fuck, this is that? Uh, Pretty much it's normally you listen back and you're like, fuck. Yeah, that sucks, man, because yeah, you're pouring hours always, into it, coming up with shit like, yeah, oh, wait, this we can do this? Yeah, and then you go back and you're like, oh, man. Wait that always sucks for sure. I have been getting better with um, recording pretty much everything I do. That was something that it was a tip given to me from I don't I don't remember his name but it was this drummer that I played a show with uh, down in Boca and he told me pretty much he's like just record everything you do and like talk while you do it like say like oh that was a dumb idea or this was a good idea you know and then listen back to it and stuff like that and that's something I've been getting better at I've got like uh, like I said I have the the Scarlet at home. And pretty much plug that in, and then that's where I practice. And and, and you record your practices. Yeah, and that that's way I could be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not on time here. You ever get self conscious listening back to it? Not anymore, right? Or was that something? Uh, vocal vocally, I've never been necessarily comfortable with my vocals, mm-hmm. and it's something that like on this album, it took a lot of work um, to get them to a point where I was happy with them. Yeah, how do you? Because I feel like you could tweak them forever, man. Like, I do so many takes of songs that I've, like, there's, this EP we have, it has one really main song that, like, I wrote the whole thing. I Mm. came up with the melodies and stuff. Obviously, the other, my bandmate said it was one part where I kind of repeated a melody, and my bandmate came up with a different melody, and I liked it, so, but I ended up singing it, you know? Right. So I sung it, I wrote it, um... And listening back to it is like, I'm never that happy with my vocals on it, you know? And they're like, oh, no, it sounds good. And then I listen back, I'm just like, fuck, man, I just... Yeah, but I feel al- like I could do takes forever and never be happy with it's it. It's almost the same as, like, there's been... And 
I don't want to say that I've ever half-assed a show because I don't think I have, but there's been times where people have come up and been like, hey, amazing show, and I haven't felt that way. And that's always a weird feeling, too. Like, because if I get off the stage and I don't feel that I did as good as I can do, like, I'm pretty pissed off. At, not at anybody else, but at myself. Like, I take that shit pretty seriously. And then, like, people will come up and say, like, hey, you know, an amazing show. Uh, could we buy your shit? That type of stuff. And it it's flattering and very nice, but it's hard to kind of combat that inner voice that's saying, like, ah, you could have done better, you know? Um, and that's kind of the curse that it comes to with recordings is you can sit there and single out your track and sit there and listen to it over and over again and be like, nah, that should have been, you know, I should have hit that note higher. Yeah. You know, shit like that. Yeah. And, and you can drive yourself crazy that way. And pick it apart. And that's where um, I got to a point, um, especially with the producer in uh, when it came to this album that's coming out. Um, it came down to, you know, do it, send me five takes. And if your five takes aren't good, send me five takes again. And that's how we did it. And that, that worked for me where, um, cause it wasn't saying like take two was bad or take three was bad. It was just like, send me five more. Okay. And that, that, Interesting. that worked for me. But did they ever give you notes like change this, change this, just send me another five? It was never like any specific ones. Like everything was good on this take. Maybe just do a little tweaks here and I think we got it. We, uh, I talked to Javier and, and we had kind of figured out how I work, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and figured out that this was probably going to be easier than saying, you know, um, on the third word of this take, do it this way. Right, um, right, right. It was more... Give me your five best, and if I don't think you, they're your best, I'm gonna ask you for five more. So I that's, and you liked that system. You I, thought that was an efficient way. Yeah, and that you worked. Liked it. That worked for me because it wasn't. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't saying like this word was bad or this take was bad or this you know one syllable was too high or any of that shit. It was just like you can do five better. When you sent in uh, like your first five takes for a song. Did you know, all right, I know I'm going to have to do five more? Or was it, was there ever a time where you sent in the five and you're like, okay, I know this, I can do it, and then you get it back and you're like, oh, okay, wow, okay. So, like, when you send in the five and you think you did a good job mm-hmm. and they're like, no, give me five more, you're like, damn, like, what do I do different? Or is it just you feel like, oh, I, I know why. I know why they, they said give me five more. Like, I know what I need to tweak and what performance things uh, I could do better. Yeah, so, like, the way it started, like, the I remember, like, waiting for the first song to come back was terrifying yeah of course yeah because at that time like um you know we're in the height of quarantine like to the point where nobody's allowed or no one's supposed to be leaving their houses so i had built pretty much the vocal and guitar studio in my house and was able to send and communicate with the producer and stuff um but when i sent the first song i pretty much sat and wait waited for like three weeks and was kind of starting to get skeptical with my label to the point where I was like, fuck, what did I just sign? You know, like, am I, am I fucked here? Um, and then it was just like, Oh no. Yeah. Your, your producer's been in the studio with a whole bunch of studio musicians working on your song. Here's the demo that we have. And I, they sent me back a song called have my back, which was the first song we got back. And 
I was like, I was like, oh, this is like I had sent them an essay pretty much of what the album was supposed to be sounding like, and it sounded exactly like what I wanted. Uh, they had a few things that were like, you know, you do a scream here at the end, you sh- should try and hit this range and all this shit. Um, I wanted to do like as l- little of vocal processing. Um, which is just like no reverb, no anything. Yeah, like that I didn't want. I didn't want Very too raw. much of it. I wanted it to be a little raw. Um, there is a little bit of of reverb and some vocal effects throughout the album, but yeah, I you wanted gotta to add a little bit of flavor. A little yeah, bit. wanted to dial it back. I did have um, some. What's great, the reason behind that? I think just to kind of pay homage to uh, where my sound comes from like if you if you listen to the the chubby ep all those songs i think there were six songs on that ep all of those are first takes oh wow really it's first takes live not to click not to not to anything you know it was literally i had 50 dollars and the dude charged 50 dollars an hour at his studio (laughs) and i said okay i can knock these out real quick and um so that was kind of that's always been an important part of my sound where uh i there was even a point where the label was kind of like oh we can put you on some shows where you could use backing tracks and i'm not interested in that no man i've seen people do that that's not really for me it Um, just doesn't work yeah i'm not interested in that i'm not interested in in, i'm not a magician i'm not trying to fool anybody like (laughs) Like, what you see is what you get. I'm a kid with a guitar, and I sing songs. Sometimes I scream them, and sometimes I don't hit my notes. Uh, but but I'll give you a show. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally respect that, man. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's a different process going from I got to bang these out to meticulously playing a- along with a metronome and doing takes over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it's 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 definitely Which process do you like more? I I prefer shows. No, I mean recording-wise. Oh. oh, recording-wise, I mean, recording, I need to, I, it was tough. Do you ever go back to the Chubby EP and like, damn, I wish I could have done just one more take of that? Um, I don't think so. I, I'm pretty proud of the Chubby EP for what it is, um, kind of because I can tell people, like, buddy, I made that for 50 bucks. Right. You know, and I've right. sold hundreds of them. Right. You know, so... That's something I'm pretty proud of, but when it comes to like this recording process, like like I said, I do feel a little bit, I don't want to say jaded, but you know, a little bit robbed of a traditional recording experience for a debut studio album. You know, I should have in a, in the normal world, I would have spent about a month or two months in a studio with my band and producers and banged out this album. Whereas opposed to we pretty much had an email group going on of files being sent pretty much from Florida to Oregon, which is where our label is based. And then you have shit where it's like I've sent something at 10 a.m. our time and I don't get a response till 7 p.m. our time because it's only like yeah, they, they got two three o'clock hours, their time yeah, or whatever. Three hours behind, yeah. You know, and, and so that shit was tough, but... You know, shit. I, I the guy who produced the album, his name is Javier Trivas. 
Um, and the dude was amazing. Like, it sucked having to deal with the whole hour change and stuff. And sometimes I would get something back uh, at, like, 8 o'clock at night where it would be like, yes, this sounds great, but try it this way, blah, blah, blah. And it'd be like, well, fuck, I'm at dinner now, man. Like, you know, I sent this to you at noon. Uh, but that's that's something that you have to deal with. And then, like, for instance, who's distributing the album is a company called Horus, and they're from London, England. And, you know, so ha- we've been having meetings with them where it's, like, meeting 4 p.m. their time is fucking, like... like it's, like, p- 11 o'clock here. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's just weird. I keep getting lots of email notifications of, like, meetings i'm supposed to be in that i don't remember like time like the the time thing has been messing with me a little bit yeah of course having to deal with other time zones is a pain in the ass yeah and i do hope to get over to like you know part of part of the reason that we partnered with horace was uh hopefully next year we can get over to england and the uk or the uk and europe and stuff um but yeah, that'd be fucking incredible, dude. That's that's goal one of the goals right now on the board. You know, I'm really excited for the album to come out. I hope people like it. Uh, I was just about to ask you that. What's your uh, what are you most excited about this Friday when the album drops? And uh, what has been your favorite uh, process uh, over this recording? Like, what are your favorite experiences so far? I'm really proud of the album, and it's. You know, it's a collection of some old songs, some new songs, all with a full band arrangement. I'm super excited about that. But I've got to say that being with, you know, practicing in rehearsals with the full band, like the live show that we're going to put on is going to send people home fucking shaking. Like, I am so excited to bring this live show to people. We're going on tour in December. We're going to announce dates soon. I think our Jacksonville date was already announced, which is December 11th at Jackrabbits in Jacksonville. Um, I I think that our live band is going to blow people out of the water. That's fucking awesome, bro. It's always dope when you're excited about uh, playing new shows and uh, getting out there. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily always like a very confident person or an overconfident person by any means. Uh, but I will say I'm extremely confident in my band members. I've got some of the best band band members in the world. Like, uh, I got the Moon Men as my guitar player and bass player, Devin and Galen. Those guys are sick. And then I got Ricky Bobby on drums, and he also is the front man of the Shake, which is a sick, sick reggae band. So, you know, that's fucking dope. Yeah, those guys have been killing it. Um, and then, yeah, our rehearsal has been being fucking fire, man. I'm so excited to do this live show. We got a whole intro thing. Like, oh. <laughs> when is so the show? Fun. When is the CP release so, party, man? So, yeah, so the album's coming out on the 17th, and the release party is going to be September 18th. At, okay. It's going to be at Grandview Market in Palm Beach. Uh, they're going to be renting a stage. We got a whole bunch of bands playing vendors salt cured oh fuck uh, yeah they haven't haven't officially sponsored me yet but but Brittany, you're spons- getting there sponsor me please you're getting there send me stuff 
So that's perfect, man. That'll be the 18th, right? Yeah, it'll be a Saturday night, and it's going to be a blast. Fuck yeah. So um, that's going to be the 18th. The album comes out the day before the yep. 17th. 17th will be a Friday. And we're going to give them a sneak peek, right? You said we could put this song yep. over at the end of the episode so that Definitely. the people could get a little listen, a little taste. For sure. What song uh, did, did you send over? Chubby, right? Yeah, so this is Chubby. This is the full band arrangement of the title track of the last EP, so... That's fucking awesome, man. I can't wait for the people to hear it. I can't wait for uh, your album to release. I already got it uh, preloaded. And um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Where can the people follow you and uh, keep up with all your uh, happenings and the tour dates when those drop? All that. Yeah. So you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dominic Delaney Music. Instagram, just Dominic Delaney. And Twitter, Delaney Dominic, because somebody stole my fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't keep up with Twitter too much. I try my best, but my main two are Facebook and Instagram. So yeah. uh, I, I know for sure I like uh, your page on Facebook, but if I don't follow you on Instagram, I'll definitely uh, double check and make sure that I do. But for sure, um, dude, this has been great. I'm fucking super stoked wow. for you, man. Uh, congratulations on signing to Interstate Records. Thank right. You. That's what it's called. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, congratulations on the album, man. It looks like you're making big moves. I remember when you were just, you know, doing counting your shows. Yeah, show two hundred fifty four and hey, shit. Tomorrow uh well, so we're not that high yet, but the uh the album release party will be I think two hundred I wanna say two hundred eleven. Are you checking? Dude, so I think it, it'll be two hundred eleven. It's taken less than uh, two hundred fifty shows for you to get signed, get a tour going, get an album and an EP released, man. Yeah. Uh, I when I first had you on the show, uh, it was kind of like you were still. In, yeah, I in, think in we, the were, beginnings we were. We were in the we were in the early hundreds. Yeah, early man. Early one hundreds. So think. to see you come this whole way, man, the grind. I, I respect it so much. I respect your hustle. You're one of those people that has really uh, been consistently out there playing shows, putting people on. And uh, I really respect it, bro. I really, I, I admire that a lot, bro. You're, you're doing great things, so keep it up. Fuck yeah, dude. I appreciate that so much, man. No problem, bro. Boom. Man. Go to a place covered in snow. And in this town, I'm barely known. Walk around, I'm gazing up, I'm lost again, I'm giving up. I'm barely born, I'm still chubby, and I spend my time in bars and I get lonely, and I run around with my love and with my homies, and we'll take this town as soon as we get money. And I'm all alone What is this place? Where is my home? Power's out And I have no phone And I'm breaking out And I'm shaking out It's just a
chubby and I spend my time at bars and I get lonely and I run around with my love and with my homies and we'll take this town as soon as we get money. Yeah!